Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10 in your scriptures this morning, Romans chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 9 of that chapter and read down just a few verses, just to verse 13. So a few uh, small verses here in our opening text. We're going to refer to several others uh, this morning, so have your Bible ready to turn to some other text. But here's where we'll launch in Romans chapter uh, 10 verse 9, please, says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Somebody ought to say amen to that. What a verse, right? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Wow. Hey, that's a promise, isn't it? If you're saved this morning, you ought to say amen to that. Yeah, he is rich unto you. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God for that truth. We began a few weeks ago looking at being and being reminded, looking and being reminded of the importance and meaning of, of the name of Jesus. We have learned that a name is significant and meaningful in its title of an individual. Today we're going to consider the name of Jesus that describes him as Lord, if you're keeping notes. As we will see, the title Lord refers to Jesus' deity. Just as Yahweh is the highest title of God's deity in the Old Testament, we find that when we refer to Jesus as Lord, that too is the highest title that we can claim or, or label within his name. Our text in chapter 10 verse 9 says that we must confess Jesus as Lord, which we know is a vital part of our belief as a Christian. Why? Because he is Lord of all. Do you believe that this morning? He truly is. Jesus is Lord of all. Please say amen to that. Paul explains that the confession, Jesus is Lord, refers to the lordship which Jesus represented as the exalted Christ, meaning the Messiah. Salvation must involve faith in one who is Lord, capital W. He's the only one that can save you. Captain Crunch cannot save you. The Bengals cannot save you. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can and will save you if you seek him in faith. Confession of the Lordship of Christ is founded. If you're keeping notes this morning, this will be valuable to you. Confession of the Lordship of Christ is founded on the understanding of the incarnation of Christ. Meaning that the Son of God became flesh for you. The incarnation of Christ. The death of Christ, believing and understanding that Jesus went to the cross, he died for you. And most importantly, the resurrection. He overcame death, didn't he? Because he is Lord, Lord of all. You are confessing and believing in your heart of these very truths when you claim Jesus as the Lord of your life. We're talking about not just professing, saying with your mouth what you believe, but truly, as our text says in Romans chapter 10, 
confessing based upon your heart condition of where you have settled the foundation which we know that first corinthians chapter 3 says that jesus is the foundation of our faith when we say that jesus is lord we are revealing number one this morning his worthiness his worthiness he's not and never will be the lord of your life until you recognize his worthiness of this position notice the proclamation of all the apostles it just makes sense that God prepared and used Peter to make that bold proclamation of Jesus's deity of his lordship on the day of Pentecost if you have your place here in the book of Romans put your ribbon or maybe a bookmark or your bulletin something there to hold your place we'll certainly reference back here but let's go to the book of Acts please Acts chapter 2 in your scriptures this morning we're going to find on the day of Pentecost, uh, what Peter has to say about the Lordship of Christ. Acts chapter 2, you know, if you know anything about the book of Acts, that Peter says some very bold and confident things concerning his faith in Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, look at what Peter says. He says in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know, look at this, assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. What does he say? Listen, the whole house of Israel, to all of the Jewish people, listen to my words, he says. Now listen, it makes sense that Peter's the one that says that because he was bold, wasn't he? He was loud about what he thought and what he believed. And he is certainly proclaiming absolute truth to the Jewish people when he says, I want you to assuredly know. I want you to 100% hear and know and believe that Jesus is Lord. Oh, and BTW, by the way, you crucified him. He slipped that in too, didn't he? The Greek word Lord in this text of Acts chapter 2, verse 36 is the equivalent of the Hebrew word Yahweh. This is the personal, the covenant representation of God himself. When God made his covenant with Abram, before he ever changed his name to Abraham in the book of Genesis, the Old Testament, chapter 15, verse 2, he referred to God as Yahweh. In the Hebrew, the same Hebrew and Greek word is used here to portray that he is Lord of Lords. When we use this term, Lord, in reference to Jesus, we are affirming, aren't we? We're affirming that he is God, the God of our life. And I'll say to you this morning, it's why we must be very careful in the use of his name. The context in which we put the name of Christ. The context in which we use the title of God itself. It should not be a slang word in our vocabulary. If you're prone to that or even a filler word. Listen, I would work. I would, make a, I would make a goal. If you're keeping notes, I would jot that out to the side. Make a personal goal for yourself this week to change those words and, and, and the style of your vocabulary. This is a very serious title, and it's only worthy of one person, Jesus himself. We must be careful with it. Not only the proclamation, but look at the denunciation, the opposite, the opposite this morning of his worthiness. Throughout the New Testament, the Pharisees could not accept that Jesus was the Son of God. He was not the Lord of their life. Go with me if you're in the book of Acts to the Gospel of Matthew, 
Matthew chapter 22, please, in your scriptures. Matthew chapter 22, verse 41. Verse 41 in chapter 22, the gospel of Matthew says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? <laughs> Talk about getting to the point, right? Oh, Jesus has a way with that, doesn't he? The word of God has a way with that of getting right to the intent and point of our heart and our thoughts. Well, he's going to do that this morning. I'm believing and trusting him for that, aren't you? He asked them point blank in Matthew chapter 22, verse uh, 42, 41 and 42. He says, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. He saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord? saying, The Lord say unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he uh, his son? Verse 46, And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Listen, they were completely intimidated now. He's asking questions as to, our thought processes, and then when he asks a question, he answers us with the question proving his point. In this text, Jesus is trying to make these so-called religious leaders see that the son of David, as he refers to, or rather they refer to, was also the Lord of David. The Messiah was both David's human descendant, and they knew that was important for him to be the Messiah, but also he was the divine Lord of David. They denounced this belief. We know that's true because they denounced that belief to the point that they plotted to crucify him. Just a few chapters later, if you're in chapter 2 or chapter 22, chapter 26 of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 59 says, Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. They were not proclaiming that he was the Lord in general. They were certainly not proclaiming that he was the Lord of their life. They were denouncing that truth. And I say to you this morning, he is worthy of total life commitment because of who he is and what he has done. Please testify to that. Go with me. If you have your Bible open to Romans chapter 14, go back to our home text to make it easy for you and just go a few more pages to chapter 14. Look at verse 8 of this text. Several verses this morning. I gave you fair warning. Verse 8, chapter 14 says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Remember that the root of our word worship that's why we've come this morning in this hour, the 10 o'clock hour. We have come to worship. The root word of our word worship comes from the word worth. It's worth something to us. Jesus is worthy of our worship. Amen? But I wonder how many of us truly live our lives, our faith lives. I wonder how many truly live according to that text of Romans chapter 14, verse 8, where it says, For whether we live, uh, we live unto, unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. I wonder this morning how many of us truly live that out. That's not casual Christianity. That's commitment. That's surrender. Do you know what chapter 14, verse 8 and 9 is truly saying about our faith and relationship? 
with the Lord of Lords, no matter what, we recognize he's been faithful, so we will be faithful. Mercy. No matter what. Number two this morning, when we say that Jesus is Lord, we are revealing our submission, our submission to him. Please understand that by your faith, you gain his righteousness. Back in our home text, if you're in chapter 14, go back to chapter 10 quickly in verse 10. Chapter 10, verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto, say that word out loud, righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When we accept Christ by faith, we are gaining, whoa, we are gaining his righteousness. Let me go ahead and bust your bubble. You're not worthy of that, but you get it anyway. We're gaining his righteousness. You're getting something that you cannot achieve on your own power, something that you cannot achieve in your own strength. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 10 of that chapter says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Our submission to him. If we believe that he is our Lord, then we ought to be willing to submit ourselves to him. There's a needed ingredient in that, if you're keeping notes. One of the major missing pieces to who we are in Christ today is the failure to place ourselves underneath the lordship of Jesus. Our home text shows us that this confession, this belief should prove itself, should prove itself in our testimony. Notice in our home text, we just read verse 10. Look at verse 11, if you would, please. I've highlighted this verse. It says, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be, say it out loud, there's proof, shall not be ashamed. Unashamedly living for Christ is a result of submitting to his rule of your life. Listen, on a Sunday morning, Christian, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You're in the world, but not of the world, is what the, the Scriptures say. One of the reasons that the church has little effect today on the family makeup a husband, a wife, children in that home, or grandchildren. One of the reasons that the church has little effect on the family today is because, because the Christian is uncommitted. They're unwilling to submit. Stronger word. They're unwilling to surrender. Listen, and I think that that is like a, uh, an open-ended statement because we're unwilling to submit our schedule to the Lord. We're unwilling to submit maybe our private life. We're unwilling maybe to submit some of our relationships. We don't want to cut ties with some of the folks in our life because we're just unwilling to sub, uh, 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 commit or surrender to the things of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Am I the only one in this room this morning? Mercy. We're unwilling to follow what the Scripture says for a husband, a wife, a child in a godly home. Listen, it's not just the, it's not just the family. One of the reasons that the church has little effect, not just the family, but the school, our school systems. Our community, the world itself. The reason is that believers say one thing and they do another. The enemy has us right where he wants us. We are uncommitted. We are not willing to surrender. We're not willing to give up our schedule. We're not willing to, to put God over a sport or over an activity or over a hobby. Or we're not willing to cut ties with something in the world in the way of a relationship, in the way of something that we are entertain ourselves with. We're not willing to submit to God. So we shouldn't be surprised at what's going on around us. I'll give you another warning. 
it won't be long till it'll be right here in our backyard. The enemy in so many ways has lulled us to sleep. We're guilty of allowing him to do so. Believer, I ask you this morning, is he the Lord of your life? If he's the Lord of your life, then submit to him. One of the reasons that the church has little effect is because the believer says one thing and does another. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you run your life or your testimony through that filter? That's really what submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is all about. Whatever you do, whatever you're involved in, doing it for His honor and for His glory. In what way do you you need to submit to His Lordship? Number three, when we say that Jesus is Lord, we are revealing our identification. To submit truly means that you are identifying with the authority of any given rule. You're making it clear. If you're keeping notes, I would write that. You're making it clear that you are a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 15, please. Verse 15, chapter 3. Verse 15 says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. Whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that we should identify with the Lordship of Christ. We should make it very clear in our life. We should be, as our home text says, unashamed of our relationship with Christ. And Peter knew something about that. He knew something about that truth. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. He's reminding us that we should be settled with who we are in Christ and let it openly flow through our, through our lives. I'm certain, I've said this before to you, it's been quite a while, but I am certain in, in the mind of Peter, in his heart and in his relationship with the Lord, time and time again, he had replayed his own life before his very heart or his very eyes. His own relationship with Christ I'm sure that he has replayed that, that fire incident, as I will call it, over and over again. Do you know which one I'm talking about? When he stood, the scripture says, warming himself by the fire when Jesus was on trial. And he stood by the fire warming himself. And a lady said to him, wait a second, aren't you one of his disciples? I've seen you before. If you know anything about the gospels, you know that Jesus took three men Everywhere he went, the disciples were always on the outskirts and surrounded close by. But he took three of those disciples on every event, every setting. He had three of them present, Peter, James, and John. Peter was literally by his side every time he spoke truth. Every time he performed a miracle, Peter was literally right there beside him. He saw the dead become alive again. I'm certain that he played that moment over and over in his mind, in his faith, as he warmed himself by the fire that evening. And that young lady looked at him and said, you're a disciple of him. What did he do? He did just like Jesus said he was going to do. He denied it, didn't he? Not only did he deny it, but the gospel says that he cursed. Peter, come on, Peter. What are you doing? You're denying your identity in Christ. You're saying one thing and doing 
another. You're not only damaging the cause of Christ, you're damaging your own relationship with the Lord. He says in verse 16 of this text, because he knows something about it, he says in verse 16 of this, of this text in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says that even when you are doing good, someone, look at verse 16, you'll see it for yourself, someone's going to take a shot at you. They're going to take a shot at you as if you were an evildoer. But all the while, you're trying to do right. He reminds us it's better to suffer while doing good than doing evil. Just prepare yourself for it. Remember that we're not doing this for them or for yourself. We're doing it for God. That's a true lordship relationship, isn't it? Make it clear. And when you make it clear, it makes it clear. If you're keeping notes, write that. It makes it clear. When we make a clear identification with Christ, it automatically comes with immediate benefit. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 of our home text is a very familiar verse. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling upon the Lord is the qualification to be delivered from the world, from the flesh, from sin, and from the enemy. Your identity is immediately recognized by God. Somebody ought to say amen to that. It's immediately recognized. We went through the airport last week, and as you're going through, going through security, so I have my two oldest sons with me. I'm going through security, and it was a breeze. I hear an officer say to Preston, uh, young man, you need to step over here. I knew immediately what had happened. Now, obviously, I'm not going to say anything. I knew immediately what has happened. He had sent his duffel bag through. They immediately picked that duffel bag up when it came through the the machine, took it off to the side. He pointed to him. He said, you're over here, young man. I knew exactly what it was. I continued to put my shoes on, put my belt on, get myself reassembled. He looks over at me. I don't even know you, man. Don't don't look at me. I glance out of the corner of my eye. The officer is, is meticulously going through his duffel bag. He gets to this certain point. He ran it through another scanner. He's looking at a screen. He gets to a certain point. He's looking up in the corner of the duffel bag. I knew all along. I knew. He reaches in and he gets it and he holds it up. It's a pocket knife. He says, is this yours? Yeah, it's, it's mine. I walk over and I said, he's mine. He's, that's my son. And the guy was pretty cool. He said, hey. This is, we had, we had cowboy boots on, we had cowboy hats on. He said, this is an honest mistake for a country boy to make. And so he says, now listen, you can do two things. You can go all the way back out, all the way back out, you can fill a form out. I can give you the knife there. You can take it back to your vehicle if you'd like to do that. He said, number two, you can fill this form out and for $15, we can mail this back to your house. I said, excuse me? He said, for $15, we'll mail your knife back to your house. I said, guess what? You got a new knife today, sir. That's absolutely not happening. But listen, this comes with immediate identification. As we're going through, speaking of our relationship to the Lord, as we make him the Lord of our life, as we're going through the, the security line, you get to that certain point, and you have your identification. You hand it to the worker there sitting behind the booth. They look at it. They may ask you a couple of questions, and then they ask this. Could you please remove your mask so that I could see your face? And every time that that was requested, they were literally looking at my identification picture, making sure that my face matched the identification of that picture. Does anybody see the correlation here as to what we're talking about? Our identification with the Lordship of Jesus Christ should prove itself, as we've said from our home text in Romans chapter 10, it should be immediately recognized in our life. 
And I would say that in two fashions before I move to my last point. It ought to be recognized by you. When we think about recognition, we're, we, we often think about others recognizing Christ and our relationship, our discipleship in our life. You recognizing it in me. Me recognizing it in you. That's certainly uh, uh, the point, but to me, that would be the second point. Number one, I want to recognize it, don't you? I want to recognize my relationship with Jesus. I want to see Jesus moving and working in my life. You've heard me say this more times than you can count. Staff meetings on, at 10 o'clock every Monday morning, we ask this question. Where did you see Jesus yesterday? Recognizing his hand. Recognizing his activity in our midst. Recognizing him uh, answering prayer and moving throughout our life and our relationship. Listen, that recognition is not just us among each other. That's certainly part of it. But you ought to recognize it. If you don't this morning, you might want to check your identification. You might want to check your relationship with the Lord. Number four, and we'll be finished. When we say that Jesus is Lord, we are revealing he is preeminent. He is preeminent. I've tried my best this morning to prove to you why and how Jesus can and should be your Lord. But the fact is that it's your choice. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, did you hear that? That in all things he might have the preeminence. If he's going to possess that position of preeminence here in the church, the local church, BBC, he'll have to possess it in your heart personally speaking. And I say to you this morning something that you already know and realize. That's something that I can't do for you. I can't make him the Lord of your life. I can tell you about it all day long. I can even testify of my own experience. But I'm only responsible for myself. Same is true of you. I can't do that for you. And listen, you can't do that for your neighbor either. You can't put your, your neighbor in a spiritual headlock and tell them how they ought to, to make the Lord the Lord of their life. You can help them. You can suggest to them. You can pray for them. Mercy. You do have a neighbor sitting beside you, right? You're proving right now with your amens how much you care for that person. You can love them. You can lead them. You can suggest to them. You can certainly please do this. You can pray for them, but you can't do it for them. Only you can do that for yourself. Confessing and submitting to the Lordship of Christ is, wow, it's not like a buffet line. I feel that in many senses, we as believers today have tried to make it a buffet line, make it convenient for ourselves, where you get to pick and choose. Listen, when I go to a buffet line, I skip over all the fruit and salad. Complete waste of time. That's poor stewardship. I'm looking for the gravy, right? Yes, brother. I'm looking for the Holy Spirit-led material. Spiritually speaking, it's not a buffet line. You don't get to pick and choose. When Jesus, when Jesus has to compete for your affection, something else has the preeminence of your heart. I want to repeat that. When Jesus has to compete for your affection, something else has the preeminence of your heart. I ask you this morning. I'm doing my very best to scan across the auditorium this morning because I want to make eye contact with as many of you as I possibly can because this is a personal question. Is he competing? Is it a competition? Is it a gamble on a weekly basis? If you're going to be in your place or if you're going to be obedient, if you're going to follow through, are you literally taking Jesus off the throne and putting something else on it on a Monday? Maybe a better question is on a Friday night, you're taking Jesus down and putting something else there. Your family responsibilities, you're taking something else and putting it on the throne of your heart rather than the head of your home, Jesus. Man, that question could go so many directions, couldn't it? If Jesus is competing this morning for the lordship of your life, 
He's not preeminent. You have some decisions to make. You got some changes to make. Let me say this at the ending of our time together this morning. Not one of us is perfect. This pursuit is progressive. You know what that means? It's developing. I'm thankful for the grace of God in that way, aren't you? We're to be increasing. Meaning this, make him more of the Lord of your life today (laughs) than he was yesterday. And that's the goal for tomorrow, isn't it? It's a progressive pursuit. You're not perfect. Don't kick yourself, but get things right today. Put things in perspective. It's likely that in a a room of this size, a crowd of this size, somebody needs to move some things around. Listen, your neighbor doesn't need to know all the details about that. That's between you and God, and you already know because the Holy Spirit is so faithful. He's made it very prevalent to you. He's made you aware that you have placed, at other times in your life, you have placed something in the lordship of your life. Something else has been preeminent, and so you need to do some switching around and some changing. You need to change your priorities. You need, to, you need to move some things around in the way of your perspective. When do I need to do that, Pastor Josh? Right now. Right now. You need to begin to pray about your schedule. Lord, I don't see a way of coming to church twice on Sunday. It just seems, wow, a little bit crazy in some ways. Could you help me to gain that perspective? Lord, show me what I could move around to be more faithful. Wednesday nights don't seem doable with my, with my work schedule. Daily Bible study just seems really like a far reach. I, I, I struggle to understand it when I read it by myself anyway. Lord, can you help me? Listen, that's all we're saying this morning. Taking a step in the right direction. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, he wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to help you overcome sin. And I understand sometimes you do the math on that too. You have no idea what I've done in my life, Pastor Josh. You don't know what I've committed. You don't know what I've done in the way of sin. Listen, you're right, I don't, and I don't need to know. God already knows, and he's already paid for your sin through Jesus Christ's blood. He wants to be the Lord of your life today, but you'll have to confess and believe our home text in Romans chapter 10. There has to be a time and a place in your life where you do exactly what our text is is referring to. What I'm saying to you this morning, if you're here and you're not saved, let's make today that day. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, Or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122. Or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day, and may God bless you.